Hello everyone, I am Mirta Hurtado Rivas. No VIPs or rock stars, just simple people sharing their life stories to trigger discussions around important topics or simply to inspire us to embrace challenges ourselves. Welcome to Leadership. Hello and welcome to another episode of Leadership. My guest today is Pascal Brenneisen. He's an entrepreneur, GM, and board member in the industries of pharma, medtech, and digitalization. Hi, Pascal. How are you? Grüezi, Mirta. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being my guest today and taking the time. I know you're very busy, so let's just dive directly into it. I my first question... I can't, I can't imagine that I'm more busy than you. You're very busy, too. So thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So let's dive directly into it, Pascal. My first question is, what did you dream of becoming as a child? That's an interesting question. You know, uh, when I'm thinking back, the first dreams I had uh, were about, uh, becoming, about becoming an astronaut. Because 1969, I was about six years old, everybody was talking about the lunar landing of NASA at the time and the first footsteps on the moon. So at the time we were playing to become or we were dreaming about becoming an astronaut and looking for extraterrestrial world and traveling all over the world and see opportunities wherever we go. That was the first dreams. So if you look at where you actually landed, if I may use the analogy from the lunar landing to what you, where you are today and, and your career until today, how did you, you know, end up where you are? And do you think that your environment, your upbringing, your parents played a role in that? I believe that uh, your parents will always play a role in the development of uh, yourself, right? Looking forward or looking backward, sorry, into these days. Um, I, I was brought up um, in an environment of uh, entrepreneurship. My father was having his own little company. My mother, we're talking uh, 50s, right? Uh, was second generation air hostess with Swiss Air, which was at a time unique because she was traveling all over the world. And at the time it took her to fly from Zurich to New York. It took her up to five days just uh, to get one way. And then when she was <laughs> in New York, she spent quite some time there abroad and enjoyed herself and then came back. This all changed in the context of uh, when my parents uh, married, I got married, and when they had me and my brother. So the upcoming of your parents and their past, I personally believe, will always have an impact because entrepreneurship uh, international languages, traveling and seeing the world was always part of my inner DNA. And that's as well, which took me along my whole way through up till now. If I recall correctly, um, you went to university and you did law school. How does a lawyer become an entrepreneur and a GM and is today sitting as a board member in the different industries you are in? Good question. I mean, uh, I think it starts by staying agile, dynamic, and, uh, you know, go for the non-comfort zones. 
So coming back to your uh, original idea on, 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 you know, what were my old dreams as a, as a boy, I always uh, wanted to, um, to do things slightly different. Don't go for the mainstream. You know, if everybody was uh, swimming downstream in the, in the river, I was trying to jump from the bridges. So maybe that was stupid at the time, but you know, I was always trying to look for doing things slightly a little bit different than the others. So yes, I graduated law at the University in Basel. At the same time, uh, I was then uh, realizing that studying law in Switzerland will not take you abroad. It will not take you internationally. So I was looking for ways to get outside of Switzerland. And at the time, the European Free Trade Association was dissolving and Switzerland was not part of the European Union. So, and still is, still isn't it today, right? So the point for me was, how do I get now abroad and do international, uh, target the chance to travel internationally and work internationally uh, without, uh, with the existing uh, education I had? So I simply stepped out of the line and looked for an internship in, uh, bio, in a pharmaceutical company. And I ended up to sign in in SIBA, the former SIBA Gaigi, which later on became part of Novartis. So really streaming, going against any stream. Sounds interesting, like um, taking sometimes the more churches way will lead you to what actually you want to fulfill. Um, yeah, maybe building on that one, I think important here is that I never tried to go the direct way. I was never trying to drive my career the straight way upward. I always tried to use the symbol a little bit of walking on the planet Earth and having a backpack with me and trying to add bits and pieces as I go along to learn more uh, and even stretch and go for the uncomfortable sounds, which I knew I will have to stand up, I will have to learn, I will have to as well stay humble to realize that, you know, I make mistakes, but building on that one gave me additional strength and kept me uh, agile. Um, I think that's a very important point that you mentioned right now, and it's the point about your comfort zone. And I think um, I'm sure that some people in the audience can relate to that very well, because once you are in your comfort zone, it feels really comfortable and going out of it might not always seem so attractive. Um, but I would like to go one step further, and you've mentioned now, you know, that you kind of um, believe in a steady and permanent learning curve, um, keeping yourself um, also to a certain degree, showing a certain degree of humility, you know, to kind of have an open mind to continue growing. And my next question is related to, to leadership a bit more, and you have been in various different leadership positions and continue to do so today. And I wanted to know from you, if you believe there are specific criteria that a good leader should fulfill? I think one of the most important um, dynamics I strongly believe in is try to listen first, right? Um, having worked internationally, I mean, once I mentioned before, I started an internship at SIBA, I then moved over to Sandos, I was working in the internal auditing department, at the time, you know, I didn't even have a, a background uh, on financial economics, so I had to learn that all by the way. And then decided to take an assignment with, at the time, Novartis already uh, in China. Nobody at the time talked about China. We're talking 95. 
Um, so I went to China working in a joint venture company where um, 60% of the shares belong to uh, Novartis. So um, one thing I learned, for example, in China was if you bring across your cultural understanding, if you bring across your beliefs, guess what? You are, in a, you are actually in, an inter, in, in, a, in a dynamical system and an ecosystem where your values might not necessarily be the right ones for the opposite, for your team members, for the, the cultural setup in which you're working in. So um, I think I learned, maybe in a hard way, but I learned clearly in China, for example, that um, some of our measurements, the way we see it from the Western world, is not necessarily how the, the Chinese do see it. So try to reflect, try to read signals, try to listen, and don't believe that your values are the ones that you have to impose on others. Uh, rather, just try, try to understand that you are the foreigner in a cultural setup where you will have to learn. And again, listen and understand. If you can understand, you might actually be able to dynamize the team and get the head together with the team. It seems like that you're using words that today are very strongly linked to diversity, right? To this kind of um, understanding, being open-minded, leaving everyone kind of the space to um, live according to their values and um, to themselves. Um, do you believe that um, this new type of leadership that we he hear so much about, right? The shift from um, the top-down, um, being, you know, um, giving clear directions to the more kind of empowering teams to take um, their best decisions according to their knowledge. Do you believe that this is a big change or do you think that something like that already existed, um, you know, at your, during your first roles when you were a leader? Um, if you make now reference to um, the latest cultural discussions around on-boss, uh, I wouldn't see that uh, happening at the time when I was in China. But you know what I realized? That, for example, the pure um, diversity between man and woman, woman and man, was clearly inexistent in China. In China at the time, given the history of the whole uh, cultural revolution of Mao Zedong, I mean, you had, engin you had engineer ladies uh, running full departments with many, many... Uh, workers, male or female, that wasn't really relevant. But that discussion was back in 95, 96, 97, I was in China, right? So already at that time, we didn't have that, that uh, discussions between sexes as we uh, later on, as we kept on having uh, as later, in the later stage here in, in Europe. I believe at the time that China was ahead, clearly ahead. The chances for a female leader to step up um, and be equally paid was, now you might smile at me, but you know, was actually already in place, right, in China at the time. While culturally, uh, we in Europe still uh, were in the cave age to develop uh, our, our, our first um, understandings in that sense, right? So for me, China was important to understand, you know, diversity um, has nothing to do with the fact of where you come from. But, you know, even you might now argue that the communistic system might not be necessarily be helpful to develop an economy the way we understand it. But still, in their setup, the diversity was actually lived, 
and the responsibility was shared equally among sexes. So that was not really a topic there. That was for me an important role, which I learned at the time. Yeah, that rings a bell. I, I was speaking to another guest on my podcast not long ago, and uh, he comes from Serbia, is a, is a bit younger than, than us, but um, interesting enough, when I raised the question about gender, diversity, and equal pay, she just told me that um, she didn't really understand what I was referring to, because actually, when um, under Yugoslavia, and the former Yugoslavia, actually, um, that was a given. Right. It was like um, female would have access to promotions and opportunities and working was nothing exceptional and actually equal pay was to a large extent already implemented. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of sounds a bell to me and seems that some aspects, at least from um, that regime, may have had a positive impact. So if we go along that um, now, you have been a leader for for, for a majority of the years of your career. And um, do you believe that being a good leader is something that you can learn or is it something that, you know, some of us are born kind of with some characteristics and some kind of, you know, aura or charisma, you know, we, we talked a lot in the old days about charismatic leaders and they used to be kind of those that um, were very successful. What's your view on that? First of all, I'm not sure whether I'm a charismatic leader. You mentioned there that I'm a great leader, whatever. I mean, I'm not sure about that, okay? At the end of the day, leadership is determined by uh, your team and the way you come across and the way you're being perceived. It's not a one-way directive that you push that down uh, into an organization. That does not work. Uh, on the other side, the balance always is between, you know, bottom-up uh, in sense of uh, if you uh, have an organization to lead and you have many, many people, being part of it is someone as well that have to work out with your team um, a vision, a mission, a strategy, which way you want to go, how you want to position yourself. And most important, what are the values that you all can agree on? Um, I think there are a couple of things you can learn, you clearly can learn. There's some excellent leadership courses, uh, internationally available, right? And uh, maybe here, my request to specifically, looking back in my career, my request to most female leaders, you know, step up, ask, ask your bosses to offer you chances to do external courses. And, you know, it's a, life, it's a lifetime learning. So keep your agility up and keep on learning. But you have to, I guess, here, female leaders stronger step up and request for such um, chances. Because guess what? The male leaders, they do it anyhow, right? So fact still is here, be more aggressive here. And that is, you know, I'm having a strong father of three children, out of which two are girls, um, 15 and 90 of years of age, you know. I keep on telling them exactly that message. Step up, really. Go for your chances and don't be too humble and, and really go for it, right? That would be a little part, a little advice I would give on, on, from a leadership point of view. The other thing is, as I mentioned before, listen try to understand what, is, um, what are the dynamics of your team members and um, how can you as well drive motivation. And you are only as good as the whole team is. You're part of it. So never look, look, look for a setup where you basically are combining different strengths into a big ecosystem, a big team ecosystem, where you as an overall team can win 
and don't try to undercut or simply to create a hierarchy where you are standing on top and underneath there's hardly anybody you could potentially take over. I know um, you may now challenge me, but it sounds a little bit like the theory that we hear around on boss. <laughs> so, so, so maybe you're not that far away from, from, from that kind of, you know, intellectual concept of how actually to lead from within, right? So not uh, create um, a bubble for yourself as a leader, but be with the team. You mentioned your daughters, and I think that's really interesting to hear that you are suggesting to them to step up and to, you know, um, reach for the dreams and, and, and for the chances. If I hear that, I have the impression that you may think that the gender topic is not yet overdone, that there is still something that needs to be done to get to a level where equality exists really. What are you your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I would go back to my uh, business experiences, right? I mean, um, after China, I spent some time in Turkey. In Turkey, uh, be, being um, uh, at the time, yeah, I mean, it was a big change, right? But I had a great general manager, and her name was Nuket. And guess what? Um, with her and some other female leaders to whom I was reporting further on, whenever there were crisis situations coming up, the way female leaders are dissolving such kind of situations are totally different from men. So this, the, my experience so far was always very positive when I had a female boss uh, because the results for which they were looking were rather on driving sustainable results. It wasn't about crisis management and everybody had to run all over the places, but really calm down and then at the same time look for the overall performance and how the whole, the whole team can go smoothly further on to overcome that clip or the challenge that we had. So that was for me clearly um, um, benefit, a learning I had. And I'm trying to as well add that to my, to my, to my talk, my, maybe too early for my younger daughter, clearly. But for my 15-year-old daughter, clearly the topic is here now, uh, what's going to be next and what are her, are, are her ambitions? You know? So that is, I'm, I'm still trying to, to discuss and argue and, and, and try to coach her a little bit on the sideline, right? So it seems like the topic is not totally outdated because you still need to work on it, right? Absolutely. I'm just trying to, to give me an answer on that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I cannot give you really an answer because, it, it, again, it depends. It depends. I've been working international in over 40 markets. So um, it depends by market. Things are changing. It depends on cultural background. It depends on religious situations as well. Um, it depends on... It depends on uh, um, how the society is being set up. Um, so there's no, uh, there's no direct answer to that question across the globe. I guess in some markets, yes, we are more advanced and others we are not. Um, when talking Switzerland, we still have a lot to do, I believe. Uh, specifically, if you're looking at the setup of boards, right? Uh, board memberships, I mean, um, I think it's... Uh, it, it, it's clear. We have enough, we have enough um, evidence, scientific evidence, that a diverse board, a diverse team is clearly performing stronger, by far stronger than uh, a non-diverse team. So here, why, how come we only have so low level of numbers of female leaders in board levels here in, in Switzerland being on public 
on, 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 on stock traded companies, be it on private companies. As I said, there's a lot to be done. And you know, to all the female leaders, again, step up, you know, step up and don't let yourself uh, push back by any kind of uh, excuses. Uh, some of the headhunters or the people might have, okay? Go for your dreams. Sounds like good advice. And I hope that many of the listeners that this uh, podcast will have, there would be also board members, uh, male board members, that will think about your recommendations to get to a higher degree of diversity, in particular in Switzerland. And I wish that Switzerland, because it's such a small and wealthy country, that it could then be a role model for many other countries where we still have um, I think a long battle ahead of us with respect to gender equality. Um, our listeners may, may not know, but you also tried to do a stint into politics. Ah. And I, <laughs> I couldn't go, yeah, as you can imagine, I couldn't let this one go. Um, it was too tempting for me. So the question is, politics is also a type of leadership, right? It's, it's even the next step where actually you believe that you want to lead um, people, right? You want to make social changes or, you know, reach specific goals. Can you share with us um, maybe how you, you know, how from being an entrepreneur you considered actually politics? I guess it had to do with the fact that uh, I got worried, and I'm still worried, about the political movement, uh, specifically in Basel. Um, and as such, I said, you know, everybody can actually argue and complain and do whatever, but you know, it's the, if, if there's the right time, why not start trying to step up, step up and make your and share your opinion um, and try to get on the table to discuss with other politicians. On the other side, and that's a key learning for me, um, having my own career, having the chances to drive my pathway in a company, this I can directly influence. Political movement you cannot influence because basically you're being elected or you're not being elected. Now you might be able to jump on the table up and down and, and, and do all kinds of great uh, internet campaigning and other things, you know, but at the end of the day you rely on the election of uh, the population. And some people uh, might like you, others might not like you. They, don't, they would not even necessarily know you. They wouldn't even know whether you have the skills to do the job or not. But guess what? They will vote for or against you. And I guess here, in, if, you, if I put this in the, in the context to um, a career or working in a company or selecting or getting the chance to step up as a board member, this you can directly influence, right? Because there you will talk about your achievements, respectively the achievements that you and your team had, right? Um, and how you as an individual developed over years. What are your strengths? You will understand, of course, what are your weaknesses and blind spots for this level of to work, which, by the way, will go on till you all are dying. It's a continuous work, right? To work on our <laughs> blind spots. Never forget that. Um, but in political landscape, forget it. That is a little bit of interesting for me as well to understand that you get uh, you get uh, classified, you get put in a drawer, and they, 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 
A thing which I was interesting for me, but you know, that's done. So I'm not anymore going to go for politics, okay? Of course, maybe a little politics with my, with my children to discuss about uh, their future, maybe on other things. Uh, maybe uh, political discussions in a company, that might happen as well. And uh, by the way, that's as well going to be uh, a challenge. The higher you go in an organization, the more senior you're going to become, uh, the more you most likely will have to face political tendencies. And all of a sudden, once you reach a level, it's not anymore about what you can or cannot do. It's rather whether to whom you're matching. Right? Are you part of the right um, flock or are you part of the wrong flock? Right? Um, and as a consequence, there you as well might have some political movements coming in. But generally, you always have to make a choice to say, okay, finish, I'm stepping out, I go for another company which if you're being a pure politician, you're basically really uh, down to uh, being elected or not elected, voted for or not voted for. I think it's very interesting that you mentioned um, the, you know, going up the ladder and becoming more senior with the fact that you have to be aware that there is a political component. I think often enough, when I look at my peers or my managers, I see that the content of the work that they deliver is actually, you know, easily done by them, but that the, actually the biggest struggle is really how to manage the political aspects of the roles they have. So I think that it's good advice for anyone who is trying to step up the ladder or who is becoming a senior professional in whatever role to think about how they will position themselves with respect to, to politics. And it's also good to remember, and I think especially for the younger crowds, um, you always can say no. You can turn down something and you can decide to go a different way, even though um, you may believe that that's um, a great company you're in. There's other companies out there and we don't need to change our beliefs just because of political reasons driven within the company. So um, we're running actually a little bit out of time. So uh, that will lead me to my last question. Um, if you had a chance, to speak to Pascal in his 20s, so to yourself, if you had the opportunity to go back when you were in your 20s, which type of advice would you give yourself? My advice to myself when I was uh, 20 would be um, stay as agile as you were, right? Push that one forward, right, really. Um, uh, go for uh, the experiments in, in life, right? Um, maybe on driving your career path, even if you don't go a straight line up, um, still try to find uh, maybe an optimized um, potential of an optimized uh, version of balancing life, uh, your personal private life to the business dynamics. Don't let yourself eat up by the business, right, on one side, on the other side, and this I did actually, I mean, this one I can clearly put in advice, on the other side, I mean, I, whenever, wherever I have been working, I always have been trying to find time for myself, find time to enjoy uh, life, enjoy the cultural setup, enjoy and trying to understand what the dynamics of the culture I've been working in. Um, so there's not so much advice I can give to myself when I'm back in 20, except for one better balance, work, life, and private life. 
Well, it's not a minor advice, right? I think uh, work-life balance is one of the hottest topics our days, in particular during the current pandemic. All of us are facing substantial, you know, challenges in, in what we are doing and how we're doing it. And I think keeping work-life balance is probably one of the things that we discuss most. So I'm sure that this advice will not go unheard by those that are listening to us. Um, with that, I would like to thank you once more for your time and for your insights. It's been great having you on this podcast. Um, stay well, stay safe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye, thanks. I hope you liked this episode of Leader Ching in English. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up on your respective platform and subscribe to our podcast. See you soon.